0: Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Make sure to download our ministry app for your smartphone, where you can watch all of our programs and access all sorts of great biblical content. Just visit the app store for your mobile device and search for D. James Kennedy Ministries. How do we know for certain? is a question that man has asked for a myriad of things throughout time. How do I know my purpose in life? Or how do I know what comes after death? Or, most importantly, how do I know there is a God? A question like that is so intricate and in-depth, how do you even begin to answer it? C.S. Lewis comments on this important question, saying... My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. Simply put, if there wasn't a God, then how would we know the difference between good and evil, right and wrong? Dr. Kennedy poses this very question and answers with strong reasoning in his sermon, How I Know There Is a God.
1: May we hear now the word of God as it's found in the 14th Psalm. Psalm 14, verse 1, may we hear the inspired word of the living God. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? And may God speak to us today through this portion of his holy word. May his name ever be praised. Amen. There is no more profound question that you can ask than this. Is there a god? Mortimer Adler, the famous scholar and educator, editor of the great books of Western civilization, says in his Great Ideas Syntopticon, which is the topical index for the great books, he says that almost every writer in Western civilization as written on the subject of God, with the exception of a few few pure mathematicians. The chapter on God is the largest in these volumes. The reason for that, he says, is obvious. And that is that more consequences for thought and action result from the affirmation or denial of God than from any other basic question. Indeed, the entire tenor of our lives will be completely affected by the answer that we give. Today, I would like to speak to you on what may seem to some to be an audacious subject, and that is how I know that there is a God. Now, in an age when many people feel that you can't know anything, to say that I know that there is a God of all things would seem to them to be utterly preposterous. But I believe that it is not. And I think that the scripture very clearly tells us that we can know God. In fact, it says this is eternal life that you may know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So how do I know there is a God? Let me set forth Several classic arguments for the existence of God brought up to date in light of some modern scientific findings that certainly have an impact upon them. One of the oldest, of course, going all the way back to Aristotle, is called the cosmological argument. The cosmological argument is basically an argument that says that for every effect, there must be an adequate cause. You can remember the cosmological argument is an argument from cause. It might help you to remember that they both began with C, cause and cosmological. Cosmological simply means the study of the cosmos, the universe. If we're looking for arguments or proofs for the existence of God, then we don't have to look under a table or in a corner somewhere. All you have to do is look about you. The universe is the biggest thing that there is, physically. And it itself is the greatest proof for the existence of God. This has been recognized from the very beginning of thinking men. The universe is the greatest, largest argument for God. Notice, if the universe exists, and we all agree that it does, then there are only three explanations for it. One. It is eternal. Now, there was a time when there were men that believed that. But with modern scientific discoveries, it is no longer possible to believe that. Scientists for the last 150 years have been scurrying around trying to avoid the plain implications of the modern laws that they have discovered that clearly indicate the universe is not eternal. The great law, which is the most thoroughly documented of all of the laws of science, the second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, which says that everything is running down. Everything is losing energy. Everything is wearing out, growing old. So it's very clear that if the universe were eternal, it would already have run down. The universe and everything has a tendency to distribute its heat equally into all parts of the universe. The universe right now is trying to make every square foot of the universe the same temperature. So the suns are getting cooler, and the space is gradually receiving more and more energy. As if, if you were to set a glass of hot water and a glass of freezing cold water down on a table, and come back in a day, you would find that they would both be the same temperature. And so it will be ultimately, if the universe continued long enough, the entire universe would be the same tepid temperature. There would be no freezing space. There would be no blazing suns. And yet the universe has not run down. Therefore, it is not eternal. Efforts recently to have an oscillating universe to avoid this have all fallen afoul of recent scientific discoveries which make it absolutely certain that the universe cannot be eternal. Second possibility, if it's not eternal, maybe it is self-created, that it created itself out of nothing. Well, there is another scientific law, sometime expressed in this way, ex nihilo nihil fit, which means Out of nothing, nothing comes. That nothing produces nothing. And the universe cannot have produced itself out of nothing. In fact, that flies into the face of the first law of thermodynamics, which says precisely that, that nothing produces nothing. A third possibility is that it was created by someone who is himself eternal. And that is the first statement of the Bible, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That is the most scientific statement that has ever been made about the origin of the universe. So in light of all of the modern discoveries about the universe, it is becoming increasingly clear that the universe itself is a great argument for the existence of god even dr robert jastrow one of the leading space scientists in the world the head of the u.s institute for space studies the founder and head of the goddard space institute for nasa i've had dinner with dr jastrow and we've discussed these things and he has said in his writings that modern scientific discoveries make it easier and easier for the scientists to believe that there is a god in fact make it harder and harder for anyone to believe that there is not secondly and beyond the universe there is the presence of life itself and still from a cosmological perspective as the cause of life where did this life come from the world teems with life this sanctuary is packed with living creatures where did they come from well it used to be held That life arose by spontaneous generation. Flies, maggots coming into existence on uh, putrid meat. And uh, frogs coming out of the slime of bogs. Well, that was proved to be false by Pasteur and Ruddy. And uh, so that was abandoned. That life was not coming into existence from non-life today. And so they retreated to the dim past. And they said that though life is not spontaneously coming into existence today, it did do so millions of years ago. In fact, two billion years ago, they like to say. Well, very interestingly, that discoveries that have taken place in the last decade or so have shown the impossibility of that happening. For example, protein, which, not too many years ago was the most complex stu- substance known to man protein molecules by the hundreds and thousands go to make up a cell and they themselves are so complex so different from the world of Charles Darwin 150 years or 25 or 30 years ago who frequently talked about a simple single cell that we know now that the complexity of the protein molecule itself is such that Le Comte de Nouille, a French Nobel Prize-winning mathematician and one of the world's great experts in probability studies, said that the probabilities of even one protein molecule, one of the thousands of building blocks of a cell, coming into existence, it would take ten to the 234 billion years to produce one protein molecule. Now, Some of you, I'm sure, don't appreciate what that means. Probability experts have said that if the probabilities of anything coming into existence are greater than 10 to the 50th power, it will never happen anywhere in the universe, regardless of how much time the entire history of the universe, 10 to the 50th. To simply get one protein molecule, 10 to the 234th power, not 234 billion, but 234 zeros, billions of years. Well, then they discovered something even more complex DNA. Doctors Watson and Crick discovered the key, the central brain of life in the nucleus of the cell, the DNA molecule. Every nucleus of every cell has this complex double helix, double circular stair type of molecule, which is filled with the most complex things. And it is so complex that if you took each one Of those dna molecules out of your cells and stretch them out and link them together your body has enough dna to reach from here to the sun and back 400 times that is so complex that francis crick who discovered it and who as an atheist is an atheist said there's no possible way that even the dna molecule could ever have arisen in this world by chance in even 5 billion years. So he said it must have come from some advanced beings living in some other part of the galaxy. Where those beings came from, he didn't say. That's simply extending the shadow, an infinite regress in logic which will not work. But meanwhile, Sir Fred Hoyle, A great, one of the world's two greatest mathematicians and astronomers from Cambridge, made a study of the possibility of a cell coming into existence anywhere in the entire universe in the whole history of the universe, and he discovered that the chances were zilch. 10 to the 40,000th power years to produce a cell, 10 with 40,000 thousand zeros after it. It would take that many years to produce one cell. Conclusion, said atheist Sir Fred Hoyle, the only way that life can possibly exist is that it was created by an infinite intelligence whom you may wish to call God. And so atheist Fred Hoyle was forced to become a believer in God by the continuing advance of modern science. Thirdly, let me mention what is called the teleological argument. Telos in Greek means the end. And this is the argument from ends, or purposes, or design, the argument from design, which says that all throughout the universe we see evidence of design. You look at a complex machine, and you conclude that it has a designer. That is the old watchmaker argument brought up to date. Even in the days of the great astronomer Kepler, who had an acquaintance who was an atheist with whom he had argued many a time, and Kepler decided to have built for himself a complex working model of the solar system, which had the sun, all of the planets rotating about it, with the moons or satellites going around the different planets. It was a, a wonder to behold. And one day his atheist friend came into his study. He said, it's beautiful. He said, who made this? Kepler said, no one. It just made itself. So. Gathered together the dust and some things from this end of the, the study. It must have been a draft coming in the door. I just came in one day, one morning, and there it was. His friend said, you don't expect me to believe that. He said, no, I don't, but you believe that the real solar system, which is vastly more complex than this simple model just made itself, that is even more palpably absurd. We see also in the same matter of design in something like the cell that there is no possibility that this just happened when you stop to think that not only is a cell incredibly complex, but it is more complex than any machine that man has ever made. If you take the largest supercomputer that exists on this planet today, it is a veritable toy compared to the enormous complexity of every one of the 100 trillion cells in your body. And yet, would anyone believe? that the largest computer in the world just happened to make itself by chance. In fact, one scientist said that the cell is more complex than the most complex computer ever made by man, or the most complex machine that has ever even been dreamt of by man. The incredible complexity of the eye gave Darwin, he said, a headache. And well, it should have, with its seven million cones that see the various colors and its hundred million rods and all of the incredible complexities of this wonderful camera. And yet, Darwin himself said to believe that this happened merely by natural selection is absurd in the highest degree. And you consider the fact that the care that has been shown in the creation of our habitat, if the Earth were ten, percent closer to the sun, we would burn up. 10% farther, all life would freeze and die. And then there is the evidence of conversion, the transformation of the human soul, which is so monumental as to defy explanation. Thousands of pages have been written trying to explain away the conversion of the Apostle Paul alone. What transformed this man from the bitter and hostile critic and adversary of Christ into its most loyal devotee? What changed that volatile and vacillating fisherman Peter into the rock that gave great strength to the early church? What changed Augustine? the greatest intellect of the first 1,000 years of this age, from a profligate and dissolute philosopher into the great intellectual champion of Christianity. John Calvin, perhaps the greatest mind of the last 1,000 years, said, I was suddenly converted unto God. Martin Luther, who changed the face of Europe, came face to face with a God who changed his life. John Bunyan, that sinful tinker, of Bedford who met the living God and was changed into a great pastor and author of Pilgrim's Progress. John Wesley, John Knox, or more recently, C.S. Lewis, the atheist of Oxford and Cambridge, who wrote his testimony in his book, Surprised by Joy, as he came face to face into the presence of that one whose existence he had always denied. Or perhaps the greatest literary man of the 20th century, the Dostoevsky of our century is, no doubt, the great Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who came to meet God while he was in the red belly of the dragon in the, in the Gulag Archipelago. A uh, Billy Graham, who as a young, frivolous teenager met the living God in Jesus Christ. and His life was transformed, and tens of millions have been changed as well. Who is going to explain these and hundreds and hundreds of millions of conversions of others who have led them across the widest oceans, up the highest mountains, through the densest jungles, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to cannibals and headhunters and tribesmen of every sort. And God has used them in their sacrifices to attest to the fact that there is a living God who changes human souls and makes them new creatures in Christ. But all of this will still be but theory until you come at last to that great experiment where in the laboratory of your own soul you meet with the ultimate proof. How do I ultimately know that there is a God? Because, my friends, one day, 35 years ago, I met him face to face, person to person, in my own apartment when he came to a young man who sought him not and laid his hand upon my shoulder and turned me around. He transformed my heart, gave me totally different reasons for for living, and for 35 years he has kept me going in a completely different way. I know there is a God because every day I meet him and talk with him. I know there is a God because he has changed my life. And he can change yours too, When you come to see him in all of his grace, when you come to see him in the face of Jesus Christ hanging upon a cross, when you see his wondrous love as he gave himself for us in Christ, when you see his matchless grace, when he's willing to forgive you for all of your sins and to accept you just as you are and freely forgive you and gratuitously grant unto you the gift of everlasting life, when he's willing to give you the gift of heaven, paid for by Him at infinite cost, at the sweat and blood and agony of the cross, the wrath of His Father at the payment of hell, when you come to see a love like that, then, my friend, you will know that there is a God when you know that God as the Lord and Savior of your heart. May we pray. Father, Father, There are some here that do not know thee. And I would ask that right now your spirit will reach down and touch their lives, open their blind eyes that they may see in the face of Christ, the living God, and they may surrender their lives to him, repenting of their sins and inviting him to take his place upon the throne of their hearts, placing their hopes of eternal life in his atoning death. I pray it in His most matchless name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Dr. Kennedy, we want to send you Beginning Again. Dr. Kennedy wrote this book to help new believers just like you to grow in their new faith. It's our gift to you when you write to our address or call our toll-free number. Just be sure and ask for Beginning Again. God bless you as you do.
0: One of Dr. Kennedy's trademarks was helping to answer some of the toughest questions people have, such as, how I know there is a God. Generations have benefited from these messages, and we've now put a series of some of the best in the brand new Kennedy Collection hardcover book, How I Know. Among the topics Dr. Kennedy covers are, How I Know the Bible is the Word of God, How I Know Jesus is God, and how I know Christ rose from the dead, and we want to send you this important book as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida 33339, or call toll free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. Each of these messages in this book deals with a subject that should be essential biblical knowledge for those who profess to love the Lord Jesus Christ as well as for those who are seeking to know Him. This series of messages is also available on DVD or audio CD where you can hear Dr. Kennedy deliver them in the clear, powerful way he spoke from the pulpit for nearly 50 years. You heard one of these messages called How I Know There Is a God on today's program. Experience the other three full-length messages in this special four-DVD or four-CD set. Be strengthened in your faith and help others to see the factual, historical, logical basis for Christianity. We'll send you the hardcover book and the four-DVD or four-CD set, How I Know... As our thanks for your generous donation of $50 or more. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida 33339. Or call toll free 888 332 3069. Or go online to djkm.org. At D. James Kennedy Ministries, we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.